0: Miller for three. Ow! Oh, he backed it in! He backed it in! And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes! TJ Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let Got it! Go. O'Neill drives on Yao. puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby! Anthony <laughs> oh, Denies him at the rim. Harris Levert, people don't realize how good he really is. Levert, skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Savonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Miles Turner
1: bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and
2: What's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold, and I'm joined today by the one and only the COVID expert, Dr. Michael J. Fauci-Fauci.
1: How are you doing, brother? Never that, never that, but the boys are back. We are here to talk some Pacer basketball today. And Alex, once again, we made the news today.
2: Yeah, it's uh, the Pacers are just a team that everybody is throwing out there in trade rumors, so Today, Sham Sharani, I think he does it every Monday. He has a column that comes out for The Athletic, and he had a nice little section in there about the Indiana Pacers and what is going on behind the scenes in terms of what he's heard via trade stuff. So, Faji, do you want to read what he said, or do you have it up in front of you?
1: Uh, so I don't have it exact words up in front of me right now. But I can pull it off as I am buying time. What do you got? I've
2: I've got it if you want me to read it. Yeah, do it. Okay, so it says rival teams are ramping up conversations with the Pacers involving guard Karis Lavert and center Miles Turner. The Mavericks and Knicks are expressing interest in trading for Turner. Sources said. The Lakers and Hornets have had a level of interest in Turner as well. Sources added the Cavaliers are among interested teams in Karis Lavert. Those sources said as he would provide a combo guard able to handle the ball and a playmaker in the season-ending absence of Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio. He also went on to say, uh, The Athletic reported on December 7th that the Pacers would potentially move toward a rebuild and were receptive to trade conversations around DeMontis Sabonis, Kara LeVert, and Miles Turner. The Pacers have an extremely high value on Sabonis, rival executives say, which makes a trade unlikelier for the two-time All-Star big man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's pretty similar to what we've heard or felt on Sabonis that look like. They're gonna value, they're gonna want a bigger return for Sabonis, which makes it seem like he's not going anywhere. But Alex, we have heard for a while now that the Cavs were interested in Karis Levert. Those rumors have been going for a while. And then we've also known for quite some time the Hornets, the Knicks, the Mavs, like those teams have had interest in Turner. We heard about the Lakers. I've gone through it. It doesn't seem realistic. The Pacers are going to make a deal with the Lakers, but the other teams have been interested in Turner for quite some time now.
2: Yeah, I know. It's, it's one of those things where you look at the Turner teams. It's like always seems like Charlotte's in there, even if they're yeah, not the always. front runners. Um, we talked about Minnesota last night. I don't believe they were in this. Um, they weren't in this group, but the Knicks have actively been wanting him as well. Dallas, I mean, I know Dallas wants them, but there's really nothing on Dallas that really interests me that much. So it's one of those things. And um, a good friend of mine, uh, Tyler Freeman, he reached out to me and Rhett on Twitter and asked us how we would like, you know, what type of packages we would like to see out of the three teams uh, for Miles Turner here. And then, of course, we talked a little bit about Karis and Cleveland, what we'd want back. And so, real quick, off the top of my head. Uh, I was going off of what Rhett had put out there, so um, you know Rhett put like RJ Barrett would be his number one choice for a milestone Turner deal. And it's like I don't really know how realistic that would be because I have to take a very long unrealistic time to get to to get Barrett. So I stayed with what he had already put and then kind of added some and changed mine. But I had PJ Washington second, Gordon Hayward third, Emmanuel quickly package plus a first. Uh, o- s four. as five. Obi Toppin package at six. Jalen Brunson package with a pick. At seven, uh, green package, green from uh, what's his first name? I, is it Jalen green. green? Okay, yep, Jalen Green from from Dallas. I was afraid to say it be wrong. And then lastly, I said, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker package and a first for for Turner. So I mean, nothing there really screams hey realistic. I love it. Besides like PJ Washington or Hayward, but I, I you know I've talked a lot about it. I like the top It and quickly stuff. So I would be intrigued by that, but it's not like ideal for me in terms of what I really want.
1: So it's actually Josh Green. It's just it's hard to get past Jalen Green. Oh, you with know, Houston. You know, yeah. The Rockets, Yeah. So that <laughs> that's exactly where my mind went right away. But Josh Green, he's actually been playing playing pretty well lately. Yeah. Jalen Brunson, that's someone who I've I've liked his game from afar. I mean, former, you know, I believe he's former national player of the year in college, Villanova. But I saw your guys' interaction and it makes total sense. Look, you locked up Brogdon. Then there's Brunson. Both of them aren't really true point guards. Do you, do you Brunson's do a new contract? Like, do you want to go down that route? Like, mm, you know, I, I don't know. So then the rest of the players Dallas has, they're all role players. So it's it's not really that intriguing. Um, the Cavs, a little bit intriguing. I mean, Colin Sexton, people are split on. Them. They really are. We know this man can score, but he's, it's always he's kind of that player that you wonder: Is he that inefficient scorer on a bad team? You know, yeah, and he's also due a new contract, so you know, it gets to the point where you're like, Man, is Colin Sexton someone that you're going to build around because he, he wanted the max? So, yeah, he's not getting was, the max. Well, no, he's definitely not getting the max, especially after missing this year. But, is do you want to have that much money put into point guards? Well, it's I kind think. Of a lot. I
2: think if you bring on Sexton, you, you see what he is, and then you probably move on from Brogdon if you think Sexton's the answer. I, that's how I would kind of go about it. But, I mean, I think Sexton can play the two-guard as well. So, obviously, we've seen him and Garland play together. I think him and Brogdon could play together. I think Brogdon is better off ball anyway. Of course. So, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic there. I like Isaac Akoro too. Like, if I can almost do, like, do. 1A, 1B, that's where I would be with that. I mean, I just think with Akoro, he's got the upside in terms of his body and size. So, I mean... To me, it's like I, I would be extremely happy if you get either of those players. And then like of course, like a Cleveland pick, right now it's not going to be as valuable because it's going to be later in, in this in this year's draft. If you don't believe in them long term, then maybe a future pick could be something interesting. But you know, I don't necessarily know what what it would take. But if if we can get Isaac Akuro on the Pacers, you know, that'd be that'd be ideal. But I think ultimately the position I feel like this team needs the most. Is, is, a, is a power forward type of position, a guy that can guard bigger wings. And that's probably why I've got a guy like Gordon Hayward at number three, where you know some people might be like, oh, lower on him because of the age and the money and that kind of thing. I just know that the Pacers are still trying to win. If I thought they were trying to go into like a rebuild, retool mode and get younger, then I wouldn't have Hayward at three. But I, I think that what he provides is intriguing at three.
1: Yeah, out of all the players that we're mentioning, I mean, Gordon Hayward's going to have. I, I think he's going to be the best fit potentially because, yeah, a obviously, look, he he's a former All Star, a good player signed for a few more years from Indiana. I mean, there, there's a lot of things going, and then also a position of need. You don't know what we're going to get with T.J. Warren when he comes back, and he's in a contract here. So I, I went through some you know some potential trades for the Hornets, and if you want to trade involving Gordon Hayward, and I don't I don't think the Hornets really do this, but. If you wanted to do Turner and Lamb for potentially Hayward and P.J. Washington just so Charlotte can get Hayward off the books, they would save a massive amount of money there because Lamb's expiring. Now, you know, you could slide Turner into center, but they're also giving up P.J. Washington and Hayward. So at the same point, the Hornets want to stay competitive. So I don't think that they're looking to just unload them. The problem is the Hornets owe the Knicks a first-round pick. So, you're not going to be able to get a first round pick anytime soon from them. Yeah. So, but do- they do
2: have the New Orleans pick that they traded for this year and the Devontae Graham trade. So, okay, so then they have, have, have that. that yeah. I think it's protected. I'm not sure it's got to be
1: protected because there's no way the way it, New Orleans is looking. Yeah, yeah and that would be a very
0: valuable I'm, pick.
2: I'm not sure if it's top 10 or lottery protected, but still, that is something you could try to acquire if you're, you know, wanting to get a pick back from them of some sort, right? Uh, And a different kind of trade. I'm not sure what you're looking at in terms of what your what your options are, but that is a pick that might be worth it because eventually that's going to turn into an unprotected first and New Orleans is a team I would love to have an unprotected first from
1: in three to four years especially with Zion just completely, you know, up in the air. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It doesn't really state, it just says that it's protected. So okay, um, I'll have to look into and get back to you on uh, those protections. But yeah, for now, I mean, that would be an intriguing pick. Um, an- Another deal potentially, I mean, for Turner, you know, you're looking at PJ Washington and Plumlee, you, you get the deal done, save the patients about four and a half million, but you don't really want Plumlee. That- that's the thing. So it's like, is that enough value there, P.J. Washington, younger? He's under contract. You can slide him into the four, still have Sabonis, you know, at the five. I mean, it's it's appealing, you know. So a lot of these trades, you, know, you go by the Knicks. Look, R.J. Barrett being on Rett's number one on the list, of course. Barrett has massive potential. But the Knicks essentially were in the gutter for 20 years hoping to get that high draft pick. And a guy like R.J. Barrett, who we're still waiting on to see if he'll like you know, continue to take those next steps, but I don't think Barrett's going to be on the table. So if you're looking at the Knicks a deal with that, I think you're looking at hoping to get a deal centered around Obi Toppin. I mean, you could take a flyer on Kevin Knox. I really don't think there's much left, and then they probably want to slide in a center, Nerlens Noel or Mitchell Robinson, just because having Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, Miles Turner, it feels like a lot at center right over there when you know. Not all those guys are going to be able to get in the rotation.
2: Yeah, you'd probably have to take on Nerlens Noel's contract so. back, About you eight know,
1: million per year.
2: Eight point nine, I think, is what it was. So it's like, uh, that's really not that bad if you're looking at a backup center. Like, I don't think Nerlens Noel is a backup, a bad backup center. I think he'd be okay. Uh-huh.
1: Um, Shop walker.
2: probably a little bit more confident in playing him over goga at this point based on what we've seen from goga but at the same time goga's not really gotten a, a chance to show anything either a, so you know i, I don't
1: want to bring in another center that's i know thing. but it, i if, don't if want one back
2: if you're doing it with new york you're probably gonna have to they're not gonna you, give you, you any guards have to. No. yeah and so and that's that's kind of where i just like i'm just i'm just curious i, I understand why people don't love any of the Knicks packages with their young players, because it's so hard to project what they're going to be like. Obi Toppin's a, a you know, not old, but he's, a, he's an, an older young guy. Right. He's like yeah, 23 yeah. Two, 23, exactly. something like that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's why quickly to me is a little bit more intriguing. I think he's a little bit younger, but he's a little bit undersized too. So that's, that's just a tough call. And I think Colin Sexton, his, his defense is so bad, you know, talking about it's him. Terrible. That's why you're just like, yeah, is he really the right fit either. So it's not, beautiful out there with what you're looking at in terms of like potential return. But that's why I think you, you try to take a swing on a young player like a top and or quickly and get draft capital with it, because, you know, with, with the Knicks having both their picks and Dallas's picks. And like you said, they have a Charlotte pick too. I mean, they've got some ammo to to unload there in terms of picks to, to get a player. And I think those assets could help this Pacers team.
1: Exactly. One young player and a draft pick. And I feel good about it because I mean, look, it, do you basically, do you see Turner signing another contract with the Pacers is what the real question is. If you ask me right now, I don't, I don't. Next year is going to be his last year under contract. If he's going to stay in Indiana, he's going to want a big deal. And at that point I think Turner wants a bigger role. I really do. I'm not pushing him out the door, but I'm just saying like, you, you know, they're not going to deal some bonus. It just doesn't seem that way. I don't see a, a Godfather like offer coming through for Sabonis. And then when you look at the Lakers, I mean, the best they could offer, I mean, maybe they could offer Talon Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn. I mean, is that really something that we really want, a one-year rental on Nunn? Like, I'm not sold on THT. I'm really not. And in draft picks, they owe so many picks. I mean, what are we looking at, a 2026 first-round pick that's probably protected? It's, you know, I, 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 we got to rule out the Lakers here.
2: Yeah, it's it's gonna be a team that nobody expects because usually when you hear all this reporting, like yeah, everybody loves it, but that's not usually what happens, right? That's just kind of how it goes. It's gonna be some surprise team that nobody saw come out of left field and, and make a trade for Miles or, or Karras or something like that. You know, I don't know who it's gonna be, but I I do know Charlotte has the most enticing things to to want back. They've got PJ Washington, they've got a good player in Kelly Oubre that I think would be welcomed here. They've got Gordon Hayward. I know he would be welcomed here. The team desperately wanted him a couple of years ago. And then even James Booknight. I know he's a little bit undersized, but they've got young pieces and they've got you know some guys that can play right now that would be worth investing in or worth making that trade for. Everybody else, it seems like it's kind of up in the air on what you could really get back. So I think Charlotte is the team that I want to trade with the most, but I don't think Charlotte's at a position now where they're going to sell a lot of what they have for uh, for Miles Turner just because they've got a decent thing going right now. They're they're not great, but they're good. They could find another center, I think, at a cheaper cost than maybe trading away P.J. Washington or Hayward for Turner, but they haven't done that yet, so we'll have to see what happens. But I, I'm, I'm still curious, Foch, what the overall trade will be here in just a couple of weeks.
1: I think something's happening. I, I don't know what's happening, but, I mean, at the same point, Levert to the Cavs. I feel like it kind of has legs, and I feel like it's something that the Pacers can can move on from Levert and not feel like they're really like hurting a big part of the fan base. And I don't know if they're really worried about that. But when you when you're talking about Miles Turner, longest tenured Pacer, I mean, yeah. you don't want to trade him just to trade him. But for Levert, I mean, for Cleveland, I, I crunched a couple couple options out here. Just tell me what you think. Okay. What if they did Levert for Sexton? Chetty Osmond and Dylan Windler. It actually saves the Pacers some money. Windler, he's an all right. He's a he's a good three point shooter. Nothing crazy at all, like in terms of that overall player. Osman, he's a good he's a good role player. He really is. And then there's Colin Sexton, who you can take a gamble on. Right there, you're getting it's a three for one. It it's, it gives the Pacers options. What were your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, three for one deals are kind of hard because yeah, here's the thing: when you do a three for one. Now you're looking at probably having to cut a couple people. You yeah, could cut Wayne Dillon.
1: Washington Jr. is probably on, on the top. The well,
2: list. he's uh, he's on a two-way, so you can't really cut him. So you're going to have to cut from your 15-man roster, which now you're looking at, like, Goga, Tory Craig. Like, you're going to have to make other moves to make this trade happen. So to me, that's why, like, I, I understand on paper, like, you have to make the salaries match. I think you could even do it without Dylan Windler in this deal. You could. You because – you know, you got Sexton who's on the injury, so he'd be out. I don't know if he'd have to be on your 50-man roster or not, but I'm sure they could get some kind of player exception if they traded for him. And then really you're only, you know, swapping Turner Turner's roster spot for Chetty Osman. But this was a trade actually Sam Quinn per, uh, proposed to me about – not not Turner, excuse me, Karis LeVert. I'm sorry. I, I apologize there. This is a Lavert trade, not a Turner trade. So Lavert would be off the roster and Chetty Osman would be on. And, and anyway, but – yeah, I think it's intriguing to a certain degree because I I know Chetty Osmond's been playing really well this year for the Caps. Yes. And I heard some pushback from Caps fans saying that the Pacers, uh, they wouldn't give up Chetty and Collin Sexton or Chetty and Okoro for Karis LeVert, or they wouldn't want to do that. So if I'm the Pacers, I think I would look into it because Chetty is a guy that, hey, if he's playing well, I mean, he looks pretty good. Like, at one point a couple of years ago, we're talking about him possibly being the best player on the Cavs, right? So, yeah, you know, he's obviously come a long way since that. but a role player, I don't think he'll care what market he's playing in, and then you take that risk. I mean, to me, I think it's a, it's a slam dunk, Fudge.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, look, you could do this trade. I, I just did it on NBA Trade Machine. You could do it without um, Dylan Windler, and it still saves the Pacers uh, about $3 million. It yeah. works out. You're talking about cutting one guy over there, or you can you could find a way to to trade, you know, whether it's Torrey Craig or someone to another team. Yeah. Uh, you can work that out. It's not a bad deal because I do think that Colin Sexton is probably that kind of, that guy that needs a change of scenery. Uh, I think that he is very talented, atrocious defensively. Yes, 100%, but we know that this guy can score. And for the Pacers, when you're looking to kind of swing and hit on a young player, I, I think that that's someone who might be one of those guys that, could improve that that's still young enough
2: yeah i think you could see um you could see the team possibly make it like a minor move where they traded like tory craig or or even yeah. goga or lamb just to create a roster spot or if they just wanted to take on somebody they didn't really care about on the Cavs that had salary they could just waive if there's any expiring deals i don't know if they have any of that right now but you know it's it's intriguing for sure did you have anything else in terms of other trade ideas for the Cavs, or was that really? all you had
1: that was uh, that was all I had for the Cavs um, because I, I just felt like those are the more realistic. I mean, look, in a perfect world, I would love Isaac Okoro and Colin Sexton, but oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> You're talking about two top eight picks there. Look, we know that they want to move on from Sexton. We know Darius Garland has really kicked that man out. But then when you look at it, I don't see the Pacers wanting to just go for a dump. Like if you want to do just salary for salary – Ricky Rubio's deal, it's expiring, you know, is pretty much exactly the same as Karis LeVert. And then at that point, you can include, like, a first-round pick or, or something small. But I think that the Pacers want to get back a player or two here. And getting Colin Sexton back, I, in my opinion, is much better than just getting, like, you know, a protected first-round pick.
2: Yeah, so I was, I was looking at different ideas that you can maybe look at. And uh, I'll just do Isaac Okoro for the fun of it. But what if you traded um, – We'll try this here. Yeah. Ricky Rubio and Isaac Okoro for Karis Avert and Torrey Craig. Right. Because that'll like allow the Pacers to waive Ricky Rubio because he's injured. Yeah, and exactly. then, and then he'd be a free agent. And then the Cavs can renegotiate with him next year because I'm sure the Cavs would want that. At that point, you're trading, uh, Levert and Craig for Okoro. Like, is that ideal? Eh, probably not, but you know, I still think it's better than losing Karis Levert at the end of next year for no reason. Um, And and not being able to get something back, but it's it's definitely there's some there's definitely some options you can do there with the Cavs. So um, anything else, Clutch, you had in terms of trade ideas that you had come up with looking at this stuff.
1: I would just essentially say that when you're looking at a deal with the Mavs, you're you're looking at just a ton of just role players that I'm really not interested in Like a combination of like Reggie Bullock and and Maxi Kleba, you know, maybe there's a pick in there. Dwight Powell, Tim Hardaway Jr. Dorian Finney-Smith. It doesn't move the needle enough to the point where I'm not trying to ship Turner out of town for, for just you know, pennies on the dollar or whatever. So uh, I, I really have no, not much interest doing a deal with the Mavs, the Lakers. Um, so the Hornets, like you mentioned, that that's where there's there's some riches there, and the Cavs, there there's stuff there. There really is.
2: Yeah, there definitely is. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we come back, we're gonna answer part two of the mailbag questions. And just so you guys know, we are not going to be recapping the Boston Celtics game that happened on monday night we were recording this before the game so we're going to recap actually both celtics games monday and wednesday Uh, we'll recap those on thursday on our podcast so this is just going to be a little bit of trade talk like we just did the first segment and then we are going to wrap things up right
0: now with our mailbag we'll be right back after this we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: All right, everybody,
2: we're here for part two of the mailbag. We're going to start things off here with our good listener, great faithful question sender-ender. That is Samuel Culbertson. He said, I feel like we play better without Brogdon. I just feel like when he plays, there's no sense of urgency or energy. Thoughts?
1: I get what you're saying, but I don't know if we essentially play better without Brogdon uh, because he's actually had plenty of really good games, um, but we definitely play slower we don't push it as much so i understand where you're coming from because i i like when the pacers play with more pace they're, they're pushing the ball and uh, you know i just feel like it keeps the defense on their toes you're getting those those full court passes from lance or he's going coast to coast and i i like it a lot better i, th- I like that style of play brogdon doesn't really bring that to the table
2: yeah and i agree with that i, I think when it comes to malcolm brogdon it just seems like he's just doesn't get rattled, right? He's not an emotional guy. He's very emotionless. I mean, you might you might see him smile every once in a while on the bench or something like that. But when it comes to the game, he just has a straight face. And I think because he's not quick with the basketball, he's a little bit slower. He doesn't show much emotion. The game can be kind of boring watching him play. Like he's not he doesn't have like a super exciting game where you're like, oh, yeah. Rogdon right? Every once in a while, you'll see him dunk in traffic and be like, where'd that come from, right? Um, But no, I mean, he's a good ball player. I just think he's not a great point guard. I think it'd be interesting to see what him and Lance look like together. Right. So I I think that when it comes to no sense of urgency or energy, that's just, that's just not a fair assessment. I would just say that he's more laid back and under control and, and, and tries to be a little smooth, but not like too smooth, but just, he just doesn't seem easily rattled when he plays basketball, Fudge.
1: Oh, I agree with it. I mean, it, like you mentioned, emotionless, you know, it's like it's not even to, to diss him, but he's that's how he is. He's always calm and collected. And sometimes you're looking for someone to you know, show a little bit more emotion, sprint up the, the floor a little bit, a little sense of urgency. I mean, how many lobs, you know, for an alley loop has Malcolm Brogdon thrown? I mean, you just don't see it. You know, it, it's not his style of play. And it's like every now and then, come on, like, wake up, give us a little excitement.
2: Yeah, and I and I'll say this too, real quick, because like by no by no means necessary is Malcolm Brogdon someone I'm attached to. I think that right now he's a fine point guard. I've, I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt to a certain degree, because what other options are you going to get that are better than him? You know, he's not going to bring you the same energy that Lance Stevenson does. So if you're trying to compare the two, like look, they're totally different players, and it's not really fair to Brogdon to try to compare him uh, and his style of play to Lance's energy and his style of play. So. Personally, it's been more fun for me. I won't lie. I definitely have enjoyed this season or this week, this past <laughs> week of watching this team more than I have when Brogdon was out there. So I'll give you that. Uh, it's been a little bit more fun watching Kiefer Sykes run things and move the ball. But, you know, I still think Brogdon's a really good player. And whether he's arrived there right for this team, that's another question. But I still I still like him as a player.
1: I love how you just went. I've enjoyed this season, and that quickly shrunk down to this week. You know?
2: <laughs> I had to catch myself. I didn't mean to say that, but, you know, it's it's a new year, so I'm thinking, oh, yeah, the, the season just started, right? It feels yeah, like if, a new season. If but only. If only. Let's move on. Zachary Barnett, a great, great listener of the show, former fan of the week, Zach. We really appreciate you. He said, what's the biggest difference between Lance this year from what we saw uh, from Lance in 2017, 2018?
1: Look, obviously, I feel like we're, like, prisoners of the moment at times. Like, Lance's last two games have been absolutely phenomenal. They really have. We're talking about the 30-point game, then following up with 14 assists and just one turnover. Uh, But this time around, I feel like he's truly facing what could actually be his last chance ever in the NBA. After being out of the league for two years, I feel like he's got to give it his all every single night. No antics allowed. Like, this is a different type of Lance. And it sounds like at this point, you know, we still haven't heard the final confirmation, but they are, it sounds like going to work towards that, that deal for the rest of the season. Maybe it's more than that. I don't know. So it looks like it's paid off, but Lance had to truly give each effort like it's his very last.
2: Yeah. Mark Stein saying that, you know, the Pacers are expected to sign Lance Stevenson is equivalent to me, you know, expecting to get up and brush my teeth in the morning. Right. It's a very obvious thing that's going to happen. Right. So that's that report or whatever you want to call it was silly in a sense because it wasn't a it wasn't a confirmation it was an expected to tweet so I mean I get it it's exciting you know Mark Stein does a great job I'm not trying to discredit him but at the same time it's just like everybody could have expected that as as soon as Keelan Martin was let go but uh, yeah I will say the one word for me that describes the difference between Lance and 2017-2018 to this year is maturity Lance Stevenson has matured as an individual. And I think the way you can tell this is he's just constantly looking to get teammates involved. There's no antics right now. He's having fun playing the game. Sure. But he's not getting so like out of control where you're like, okay, we got to pull the reins back in. You know, we can't let Lance be Lance. He's getting a little out of hand. I mean, obviously in that Cavalier series back in 2017, 2018, I believe he was talking to some of LeBron James' friends or brothers or family like during the game, and it was like back and forth. And I know at times, you know, McMillan had him trying to guard Kevin Love, which shouldn't work out too well in that game seven. So just one of those things where I think with Carlisle at at, at the helm, um, he's been around so long, and I think he understands how to let Lance be Lance, but also know when to pull him in and control him and, and, and try to let things, you know, not be so over the top with him, but he also isn't afraid to let him be crazy and be loose, and let him and Domas do their thing like they did against the Jazz. So, I think the biggest thing for him, though, honestly, is just it's a maturity level patch.
1: I really think so. And Lance has he said all the right things. I think this time around, I think after being out of the league for two years, I feel like it's humbled him. Yeah, and I, and I think at this point, he's just in a spot where he's like, "Hey, look, I just want to be on a roster," you know, and right now. Yeah, technically, it's a very small sample size, but it's awesome to see that Lance is actually averaging the most points per game he's ever averaged in a season right now in this stint with the Pacers, so it's not like he's just on our roster, he's playing well, and at that point, why not give him more minutes, let him be Lance, and just, I think he's at a point where he's not trying to ruffle feathers as much as before, but who knows? A couple yeah. weeks from now, we might not be saying that. <laughs> yeah, once he's got that guaranteed contract exactly. for the rest of the season, let's see.
2: But I'll see what they do. They might sign him to a contract for the rest of the season, but they might make it non-guaranteed. I don't know if they can do that, but I think they can because of how they structured O'Shea sets contract. But uh, let's move on. Another great listener, and always enjoy having interactions with this guy on Twitter. It's the one and only Anthony Childress from Houston. So, uh, Anthony, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. He said – To get Cam Reddish, do you feel the Pacers would have to get at least a third team involved?
1: I don't think that the Pacers have to get a third team involved. If they're willing to give up a first-round pick, that's probably not too protected. But it could absolutely make things easier, given that Cam's only making $4.6 million. So we would either need to take back someone like probably like a Gallinari or someone that they kind of aren't too happy with, or maybe bring in a third team or basically say, hey, we're going to give you a first-round pick that's maybe top five protected or or maybe top ten maybe if they're going for it.
2: Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing to look at here because, I mean, I, I, I did a three-team trade on Twitter I put out there, but I don't know if it would work because I don't know if Capella can be moved. So my original trade was I sent Justin Holliday and Miles Turner along with Gordon Hayward. No, actually it was Miles Turner and Gordon Hayward to Atlanta. I had Justin Holiday and Clint Capella going to Charlotte. And then I had Cam Reddish and Gallinari coming to the Pacers. And I didn't hate the deal because look, I mean, Justin Holiday to me is someone that's expendable. I think that we've seen enough this year where he's a good player, not a great player. I think with Turner, you're looking to move him to acquire somebody back that has high upside. And I think in this point, I think Cam Reddish's upside is a little bit higher than Miles Turner, because especially with I, I this do. Pacers team, the you need wing players. I mean, this is a guy that people have compared his body like to Paul George, right? And I'm not saying the Pacers need to go out and get the next Paul George, but that's not a bad idea. Uh, they could use a, a wing like that. And I think Cam Reddish, given a bigger opportunity – would be huge, but I think also having Sabonis here, he wouldn't feel like this is his team. So it, I don't want Cam Reddish to feel like it's going to be his team wherever he goes. But I think if he can eventually become that person and it happens naturally over like a year or two, that's awesome. But I don't want him coming in thinking it's his team right away. But that would be a, a, a great way to go about it. I think Charlotte can make some sense. And now if you do, uh, uh, I think there is a way you could possibly, like you said, do a trade between the two, Indiana and Atlanta, but you'd probably have to include something you might not really want to give up.
1: Yeah, Um, I think so.
2: You know, I I looked at even just doing Cam Reddish and Gallinari for Karis Levert and Justin Holiday. Like that's an intriguing trade, but you probably have to either give up O'Shea Brissett in that deal or a future first round pick unprotected.
1: I know. That unprotected pick, I, I I don't think I can do it. I really don't because this is the, the type of year that the Pacers could end up picking like – Well, it wouldn't um, be this year's. It wouldn't yeah, be this it, year's it, pick. It can't, it can't be this year. At that point, you can't give up like the fifth overall pick for Cam Reddish like at this point.
2: Yeah, that that's the only thing I'm thinking of, you know. And look, right now, John Collins, there's rumors going around about him not being happy. He just signed – uh, uh an extension for you know five years so we'll see what happens there but it looks like atlanta they're just not having a great year and uh yeah i think if you can get your hands on cam reddish that would probably be the steal of the trade deadline in my opinion fudge
1: i think so and look it doesn't help our fact that reddish has had some good games but it, for whatever reason it feels like that's that's atlanta's trade chip that they're willing to part with so i really hope that we can find a way to get in on it
2: Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our next question here. Another faithful listener, Kevin Cheney. Kevin, thanks so much for listening. He said, a Miles Levert package still feels like the most likely move. Could that land us someone like De'Aaron Fox, Ben Simmons, or Jeremy Grant?
1: I feel like a Miles Levert package can land us like Jeremy Grant, but I don't think it's enough for Ben Simmons or De'Aaron Fox unless there is picks Involved. So, mm. you know, whether it's maybe unprotected pick or multiple picks, um, you know, Philly is not letting up on, on Ben Simmons, or w- from what I heard, potentially they created a list of their top 25 players they would trade. And realistically, I don't even think Miles or laverde are probably on that list. Um, you know, not to take a, a jab at them, but I just feel like they still view hey, I want to trade Ben Simmons for another all-star. Um, and then De'Aaron Fox, I, I still stand by. I just feel like Sabonis has to be in a deal that would be you know, involved for, for Fox unless the Pacers are giving up quite a lot.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point, Flash. I don't really like any of these 4 Karis levert Karras-Levert-Miles-Turner uh, combination, to be honest with you. Um, levert and Turner don't make a ton of sense to me for Detroit and what direction they're going. They probably want younger assets. I mean, they might want Turner, but I don't think they'd really be interested in Levert. Because they're still trying to lose games while grow with their young talent. And like you said, Darren Fox, Ben Simmons, just, they don't really seem like that. I don't really feel like that would be enough to get both of them. So while a trade like that could happen, I think that maybe something more along the lines of Gordon Hayward could get you something like that. Maybe, this is probably me stretching it, but I don't I, I don't have a great pulse on this, but possibly Pascal Siakam-Foch. You know, it just depending on what Toronto is looking to do with him, but I, I think finding someone like that, a, a guy that could be more on the move, maybe, maybe CJ Jim McCollum, someone like that, you could look at. But
1: very uh, possible now that they reported Damian Lillard might be out for the rest of the year.
2: Oh, did they did they report that with they, that they uh, said, abdominal thing?
1: Yep, yep. It's not 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 hundred percent confirmed, but he's gonna miss quite a lot of time to the point where they don't know if they're gonna bring him back given how their season has gone, but that, you know, contrary to what you said at the beginning of the episode, I am no doctor.
2: (laughs) Hey, we don't know Fouch. We don't know Fouch. Um, uh, uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, so let's move on to our next question. We got a couple here from our good friend, Vester 35 over on Instagram. He said, when we get healthy, what does the rotation look like?
1: So, all right, so we got Fester over here. Fester with his three-parter. Um, you know, look, from the rotation <laughs> standpoint, um, you know, you, you gotta be thinking Brogdon, Levert, Warren, and then Turbonis. I mean, you imagine the starting five that, you know, it's it feels like a myth at this point. Something that 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 seems like a like a legend passed on for years and years, because we're still waiting to see it. Off the bench, you imagine, you know, Duarte, Justin Holiday, Lance, Kiefer, Dwayne Washington, O'Shea, and Torrey Craig. So, I imagine that being the group, but at this point, I mean, who knows who's even there. I didn't factor in Jeremy Lamb. I don't think he's going to be on the team. I didn't mention Goga because it's hard for him to really even get in the rotation. But those are the guys that I see actually playing routinely.
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at the 15-man roster, so no offense to Taylor or Washington Jr., but I'm assuming they're not going to be in this rotation and then looking at the two guys that are injured, that's both TJs, right? So we know TJ McConnell and TJ Warren are more than likely not in there. And then I'm going to go ahead and remove Jeremy Lamb, Goga Batadze. So there's four guys out of the 15 that are not in my rotation. And then I'm going to take Isaiah Jackson out. Okay, so that gives you 10 guys here to look at, to, to play with here. But I'm going to go with a nine-man rotation, and it's going to be a little bit different. Um, assuming Brogdon's healthy, I'm going to start Brogdon. Justin holiday has been starting, so I think he starts – then you got Karis Levert, you got Miles, and you got Domas. Now, this is all pre-trade, right? Pre-trade deadline. Yep. So that's that's the starting five. And then off the bench, I've got Kiefer Sykes, Christy Duarte, Lance Stevenson, and O'Shea Bursette. I think Tory Craig is the 10th man with the you know chance to play if there's foul trouble, but I don't think he'll play too much because we've already seen his you know role kind of reduce a little bit this year. It's been back and forth and back and forth, but I think that backup core of O'Shea, Lance, Duarte, and Kiefer Sykes, and then you probably throw Sabonis in there mostly, playing with them at times, and of course Turner will play with them at times. So that would be my nine-man rotation because I feel like Lance deserves to play over Tory Craig and over Jeremy Lamb. But other than that, that's the only thing I could think of in terms of a, of a nine-man rotation right now until everyone's fully healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, that, that's the key thing. And until they're fully healthy, I mean, speaking of which, about thirty minutes ago, I saw you know Brogdon's not going to suit up against uh, Boston. There's not going to be Duarte, so the, the health it, it continues. Even though these guys are off the COVID list, the Pacers are still taking it easy with them. They're not rushing back Warren. So who knows in the end who actually comes back or not? In terms of like, if you hope TJ Warren continues to progress like that, but once that trade deadline comes. A lot could be decided. A lot could be different for this Pacers team.
2: Absolutely, Fauci. Well, let's move on to our next question here from Fester. He said, Have you guys heard anything about TJ Warren? If he is still some time away, I'd love to experiment with Brogdon. That's a uh, small forward. He's six foot five and a half with a 6'11 wingspan at 230, uh, is more than big enough to play the three spot in his book. So, what are your thoughts on playing Brogdon? Some of the three.
1: I'm really not in love with playing Brogdon at the three. Uh, I think maybe if you're going to do it in super limited minutes, I would prefer him at the two like we've spoke about. Doesn't hurt to try new things, especially when, you know, losing is not the worst option. But uh, I don't know how well he can guard like true, you know, threes. Um, Yes, he's bigger for a point guard, but once you slide him over to the three, then it becomes a different story. To answer the other part of your question, there was a report on TJ Warren saying that he's, quote, weeks away. It's what they've been saying for a while. So at this point, I I really don't see a scenario that he makes his debut in January. You would imagine at some point in February, assuming there's no setbacks.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I I think Brogdon could play some. I think we've seen it some, right? I mean, he obviously is not afraid to guard the the wings when it comes to defense now offense I don't think um, you know you want to see him do that all the time but right now this team needs ball handlers so as many ball handlers as you can get out there like if you're running a lineup at one point with Lance Kiefer Sykes and Brogdon like that's not bad but I think Lance can play the three more than more than Brogdon I think we saw Lance guarding Kevin Durant at times we've seen him guarding James Harden um, you know he's just a guy that's not afraid to really guard anybody not saying he's great at it but you know, Brogdon to me, he can he can guard threes. There's nothing about it, but I don't want to see a full-time fudge. It's just
1: no, not I who he is. And
2: he's too small. Um, in terms of six foot five is fine, I guess you could say. But I would
1: for a point guard, it's good. You know, he's
2: but. I mean, it's it's good for a two guard, I guess. But he's yeah. just he's a little bit slow, and I think that's where it can get kind of tricky. He's not really a low post guy either, not really above the rim either. So, without the athleticism that you'd prefer to have, in, in probably your wing players. He's he's good, but he's just you know he's better suited off ball in my opinion as like a two guard. But uh let's move on to Fester's last question. he said, pretty apparent an upgrade in point guard has been needed with what Lance has been doing. Any names out there that you believe we can get to be Sabonis pick and roll partner outside of Lance? I like Brunson, but that's probably an offseason move when where you're, you're trying to sign him.
1: I mentioned earlier, like I've had a soft spot for Jalen Brunson, but I don't want him being like the featured part of like a Miles Turner trade and. Then you got to sign into a, a new deal, and it gets a little tough. Um, look, Darren Fox, it's a pipe dream. It is. Fox has signed for, I think, the next four years. I mean, he's a stud, an absolute stud. That would be great to have next to Sabonis. But you probably need to ship Sabonis out just to get Fox. So that could be really tough. Look, DeJounte Murray, we've talked about. Murray, ah, such, a, such a great player. You know, he's been on the rise. Um, but – you know, I don't even know if he you can get him right now. I don't think that the Spurs want to part with him at all. You could see when he was out due to COVID, the Spurs looked horrendous. Pop even said they need Murray to win games. So I don't know if any of these guys are going to become available. Then there's still Ben Simmons, who I don't even think he plays this year. I really don't. So point guards, they're very coveted. Uh, they're, they're, there's not too many great ones out there. So they don't hit the market or the trade market too often.
2: Yeah, no, it's a really tough one. I mean, I don't really think there's anybody out there that could be just, like, had. I don't think so. It's it's so hard to figure out because I we looked at, like, upgrades. I think Lonzo Ball would have been a great
1: – Would have been uh, awesome.
2: Yeah, Lonzo would have been really fun to see, you know. If you're looking at maybe, like, taking a flyer on somebody, like we were talked about some of these guys, but uh, R.J. Hampton, he's somebody that could be – um, a guy you take a flyer on in Orlando right now, I mean, I don't know what you'd be able to get for him. So, um, you know, that's something I'm like, okay, maybe that makes some sense. Other than that, I mean, looking across the league, it's just like Colin Sexton. Like, that's the name that we've talked about. And then he, all the names we've already talked about on this podcast are names that I think make some sense. And, you know, I like Jalen Brunson, but I don't know if he's a starter level material for a championship team or a contending playoff team. Like, I don't know if he's as good as George Hill. Was for this Pacers team whenever we acquired George Hill from from uh, San Antonio. But Derek White's another guy that I'd look at. I don't know if he's like a great dynamic pick and roll guy, but you know Lance is just special at that. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's just something he's so good at. He's so good at reading the defense, Foch, and that's why I think you just kind of have to see what you can find in the draft because right now uh, the trade market for guys like that, it's going to be very hard to get, and um, you know that's that's why the Pacers. Missing out on a a guy like Fred VanVleet, someone that was like rumored to them a couple of years ago. They they tried to acquire him. Like missing out on a talent like that really hurt.
1: Yeah, really did. And Alex, uh, you know, ever since you started mentioning him a little bit, I've paid more attention. But Ty Ty Washington, I mean, 17 assists. (laughs) Ty Ty. 17 assists his last game, a Kentucky record. I mean, something like that. It it has me thinking – Man, I've been searching for that next point guard for the Pacers for years. And the yeah. Pacers are going to be picking high enough. You know, you never know.
2: Anthony Simons would be would be really fun if you I, could get your absolutely. hands on him. But, absolutely. you know, these are
1: all names we've talked about. I don't have anything new. That's why I'm so sad.
2: It's like I want to find somebody new that's like, like under the radar. That's why I threw RJ Hampton out there. But uh, let's move on anyway. Uh, our last question on Instagram comes from that guy Seaman. How much of an impact, if any, do you think the recent play of guys such as Lance Sykes and Washington Jr. will have on the front office's view of this team as we approach the deadline? Are we more likely to make a move or are still in danger of maintaining the status quo?
1: I would hope Lance, Kiefer, Dwayne Washington do not have the type of impact where the front office just sits back and goes, all right, we got it. Because it's like Washington's still very you know, streaky. Uh, Kiefer has played better than expectations by far. But, you know, from, you know it, it, it's hard to put it any other way. But he's undersized, especially as a primary backup point guard. So I like what he's brought to the table. But then also, look, Lance, he's been a blast. I love the fact that the, it sounds like the Pacers are going to sign him for the rest of the season. But this doesn't really change the outlook of the team overall. The fact of the matter is, Brogdon and Levert, they're coming back. They're going to massively cut into – you know, Dwayne, all three of their minutes. Washington Kiefer Lance we're cutting all their minutes. I think Lance is the guy that you hope still has that solidified role over there. And the Pacers are obviously thin at point guard, so you would know, imagine Kiefer still has more of a role between Washington. You know, I don't know. So I just think at this point, the front office should not get comfortable because there's still a lot of holes on this team.
2: Yeah, I mean the the team went one and three with those guys at the helm, right? Like it wasn't perfect, but it was more fun to watch because they were playing a different style. And I think that is what should encourage or impress upon the front office to, to make a change. Because look, if you're seeing three new guys in your starting lineup come out here and play a style that's more fun to watch and the fan base is enjoying it more to me, that should scream to you, Hey, maybe we should look at changing some things up. Maybe this current roster, while it's got good players on it, they just don't fit well together. So, I think what they've done by getting these guys in here, they've looked and they've found out that hey, maybe what we're doing isn't the perfect solution here. Maybe this roster isn't going to cut it. And if it takes you, you know, two guys coming out of the G League and then Lance Stevenson signing on that ten day ten day exception, I know he's was in the G League, but he's not really a G League player for for sure. But um, you know, just bringing in these guys that. Are trying to get on an NBA roster, you know the level of play that they brought to the table, um, and the way they fought, and the way they competed, Fosh, and played a, a played a certain style. To me, would be more enticing to look at your roster and say, "Hey, we got to make some changes."
1: Absolutely, because it's like, look when when you see a different style of playing and guys like Dwayne Washington, who was undrafted, Kiefer, undrafted, Lance out of league for two years they're playing with a sense of urgency they're, they're they're playing with intensity they're they're trying to do everything possible and then you look at the rest of the roster and you're wondering why aren't we getting that out of them so you want to bring in guys that are going to match that intensity so that's why I think the front office has moves they have to make
2: absolutely let's move on to another question here this comes from DX Rayx. he said do you think Karis LeVert is on the roster after the deadline i don't think he fits the two big lineup me personally, I think they break up the two bigs, and if uh, a can't-refuse deal for Levert doesn't happen, he stays and hopefully he builds a Lance-like chemistry with Domas before his positive test, he was playing well.
1: My gut said for a while, I don't think Levert's on this team past the deadline. And I, I, I said this before we, we saw this recent report from the Cavs. I think the Pacers can ride it out with Kiefer and Lance on super cheap deals. I, I think that, that's nice. You could bring in a player, maybe a draft pick, but someone, you know, we talked about some trade scenarios for for Lavert before. Um, but Lavert still struggles with wanting to be the guy, wanting to, to be that guy on a team. And I don't think there's a team out there where he can be that guy for, or at least one that's not a winning team. So he's played much better recently. I think that's perfect. Uh, based on the direction of this team, I'd try, trade high on him. I really would.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I I still think that they're the two most likely to get traded, right? I think it's pretty obvious in in terms of LaVert and Turner, right? So, obviously, you got to break up the double big. I think we're all tired of talking about it. I think the bigs are probably tired of talking about it. I I feel like everyone is just ready for that duo to be broken up, and I get it. Karis LaVert has been playing well, but I'm a little bit worried about his fit with T.J. Warren more than anything, and I'm not even saying T.J. Warren's going to be here long term, but if the Pacers really want to keep T.J. Warren here long term – I don't know exactly how him and Levert fit next to one another. I think that both are better with the ball in their hands. And, yeah, I just – I don't like Levert's defense. That's the bottom line. I I think if you're looking at this Pacers team, offensively we talk about things, and, and there's things they could do better offensively, but defensively, oh, my goodness, Fachi, This team has been horrific defensively. Atrocious. It's been so bad, and I think it starts – not with the double big part. I think it starts with the guards. I think the wings have been horrible defensively on the perimeter. Their feet get stuck in the mud. They do a bad job of fighting through screens sometimes, and communication just seems kind of off. And I think that's why you know, <laughs> we've seen this team struggle to close out games just because when they need to get stops, they can't get them. And it doesn't matter who's on the floor or who's protecting the rim not being able to stay in front of your man is a big challenge and it puts everybody in a bad spot
1: it really does you can see it on a nightly basis I mean sometimes just teams just straight up just attack us at will get whatever they want and it, there's numerous times this year that the Pacers have let up 70 points in the first half I mean look I, I get it I sound like an old guy on his porch just kind of saying "Well, oh, back in my day but it's just like that's not winning basketball. You can't let up seventy points per game. You know, seventy points in the first half and expect to win a game when we don't have this high-powered offense. So mm-hmm. it, it's just we need to be better defensively. It's obvious, and the wings—that's a big part of it.
2: No, I totally agree, Foz. So let's uh, let's wrap it up. Did you have any more questions over on your what? end?
1: Last question from PDP Pete. loyal. Uh, you know, oh, question PDP. Submitter. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So Pete said, uh, do you think it's important to make a trade by the deadline or at this point, just wait until everyone is available this summer? You go first.
2: That's a good question. Um, You know, if you keep the team together for the rest of the year, the only problem is LaVert and Turner, they're, they're expiring contracts next season. So that is why they are more likely to be moved by the deadline because teams are going to be willing to give up more now than they would be in the summer for both those guys, because look, Laverton, and Levert and Turner are good players, but they're not players that you're going to be willing to take a risk on uh, for just one season. You want to get them in there for the rest of this season, see what you got and then see how they fit for the next year. Um, you know, this isn't like you're, you're trading for a Dame Lillard or something like that on an expiring deal and hoping that you can convince them to stay like, no, these are more role players. That's kind of the route you're going. So I really do believe that you got to trade those two players specifically. Uh, same with Tory Craig. Anybody that's got two years left, you got to trade them this year. Um, with Brogdon, like, that's a guy you could easily move in the summer if you feel like you got the right person there. Or if the draft pick happens to be like Jaden Ivey and you feel like he's the point guard of the future and Brogdon is not uh, in alignment with that, you know, then you move on from Brogdon. But whatever, I'm just saying, like, that's me, though, Foch, is the way I would go about it. Anybody that has less than, you know, a year and a half on their deal, I think I would be trying to trade them before the deadline.
1: I'm absolutely fine with it. I mean, really, when you mentioned, like, Tory Craig, it's like, come on. Is anyone going to be heartbroken if we trade Tory Craig? I-, I really don't think so. I think he can fit so many other teams better, like more contenders. I mean, at that point, I'm, I'm fine. You know, just kind of saying, hey, just didn't work out here. But then also a guy like Jeremy Lamb, just he's not, he's not even really conti- continuously in the rotation at this point. Like trade him for whatever you can. Can, can. can you get you know two second round picks, maybe take take someone back, someone that could potentially at least be a, a fringe rotation player or whatever who's younger? And then at this point, look, if you're gonna trade Turner, the upside is A, you can bring in a young player in a draft pick, or B finally get a good shot at seeing Goga. Also get Isaiah Jackson some minutes. Right over here, like, be able to evaluate what you have there. So, and Levert over here, it's just like, man, just be able to have Chris Duarte be an everyday starter on the team. Be able to play a lot of myths, Be able to continuously grow. So, at that point, I would like to make a move by the deadline, no matter what. I know Pritchard is, is very fond of saying he doesn't want to make a move just to make a move. But in this situation, make a move.
2: We're all ready for it, Focci. And so to wrap it up, um, since we got a question about Cam Reddish in a three-team trade, and I said I think the Hornets make some sense, I came up with another trade while we were talking. Ooh, what do you got? So I want to hear your thoughts on this deal. So Miles Turner is going to the Hornets.
1: Okay. Kelly
2: Oubre and Cam Reddish are coming to the Pacers. And then P.J. Washington is going to the Hawks. And I didn't throw any picks in there yet um, because I feel like this is a great starter conversation. And if the Hawks feel like, hey – we want more than P.J. Washington for Cam Reddish, then you say, okay, we'll be willing, if you're the Pacers, I think at this point you would have to say, okay, we'll be willing to give you a lottery protected pick for 2023 or 2024, something like that, way down the line, Um, preferably not like this year or next year. So I think a couple years down the line, that could be semi-enticing to Atlanta, especially getting P.J. Washington a stretch big, a guy that, you know, I think they could use with Gallinari being an expiring contract coming up here in the next year or two, get someone in their younger that can play behind John Collins, or if Collins decides he wants to be traded, you still have some nice young talent there, uh, especially a good three-point shooter from distance as well in P.J. Washington.
1: All right, so from my understanding, the Pacers in this deal, they get Kelly Oubre and Cam Reddish. Correct. Okay, Charlotte's getting Miles Turner. Yep. The Hawks get P.J. Washington. Is Was there anyone else – I was missing. that's
2: a four people in the trade.
1: Okay. At this point, I mean here, here's the thing. Yeah, you have John Collins already there. Um PJ Washington I think would be, you know, he's someone who's at least I, I believe under contract for a little bit longer than Cam. Maybe it's the same. He's got but, a
2: team option for next year.
1: Okay. All right. I mean, from a pacer standpoint, I love the fact of getting Cam and Kelly Oubre. I really do. But when you still have LeVert on the roster, LeVert Duarte Ubre feels like a log jam right over there um <laughs> well don't worry so. about
2: that because your your goal is to move on from Levert too right
1: okay so the that's kind of how I be continued yeah yeah uh, yeah assuming assuming that we we trade Levert at that point I would like that because I do feel like Kelly Ubre someone who's bounced around who's played really well uh the last couple of years just you know solid gold stake got off to a rough start um he's good in Phoenix um, then Cam Reddish is the guy that I, I want. I, I think I need him, Alex. I think I need him in Indiana. So I'll, I'm on board for that trade, especially when you haven't really talked draft picks. I know you mentioned if you have to include a pick, you would. But at that point, I would.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you could throw – like I, I thought about maybe throwing Goga Batadze in one of these deals or even even flirting with the idea of maybe trading O'Shea Brissett. I know that sounds like a bit of a, a, a rip – of the band-aid right there. It would hurt a little bit, but I, I think that if you're getting the upside in cam reddish that you do it now, you could maybe go a little bit different route here and leave Kelly Oubre with the Hornets and then take on like, you know, um, Plumlee, Mason Plumley, and his contract. But, you know, at, at that mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's for Turner, basically. It's all you're really giving up is Turner. And, and that's why I'm like, okay, you know, I, I would love to give me some cam reddish there. So, um, there's ways you could play with those three with those three teams and make a make a deal, but um, you know I was trying to keep it simple, right? Three team deals are hard enough, but they are. when you get more than four players involved. That's like, oh, this is so much. But I think this is something to be interesting. And based on NBA trade.com, it would give the Hawks two plus wins, it would give the Hornets no impact on wins or losses, and it would take one loss away from the Pacers.
1: Hey, one one less loss. I mean, one more loss. Okay, yeah. that's fine hey keep, keep it seems pretty fair driftboard.
2: yeah no, it no, seems no, it pretty does, fair too and it would save us eight hundred twenty nine thousand in cap space so
1: herb yeah. would be thrilled
2: <laughs> a little bit of cash a little bit of uh, spending money for him a little bit of time <laughs> all right fachi so we got to tell the listeners here if you're listening to this part of the podcast right now thank you so much for staying with us all the way to the end if you haven't already hop on over to apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review it would mean the world to us. But Faji, where can the people find us at on social media?
1: All right. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace.
2: And if you need Cam Reddish to be in a Pacers Jersey by the beginning of next season, Say these three words.
1: Let's go, Pacers!